Come on, go church. Make some noise in the house today. Come on, if you love Jesus, especially right here. Oh, what a great looking group. Turn around somebody near you. Don't touch them, but tell them, say, you're looking good today. Come on. Tell them, say, did you lose 10 pounds since the last time I saw you? That'll encourage them there. And welcome to everybody watching online, looking at the cameras in the back of the room, saying hello to everybody online. We got people literally watching around the world. As a matter of fact, backstage, uh, somebody in the band told me that their dear friends from Grenada were tuning in earlier today. So we welcome people literally watching across the globe. That includes our Germantown, Maryland campus family. We love you. We're so proud of you. We thank God for you. And as a matter of fact, today, we stole your own campus pastor, Pastor David, his wife Esther are in the room. Come on now. So we welcome you. Welcome Germantown. Welcome everybody online. Come on, big round of applause. And my family's on the front row. Come on now. My, my sister and niece and nephew, my sister's boyfriend who we're trying to figure out if we want to keep around. They're all here. And so we just love you guys and excited to have you here today. And one of our weekly traditions, we always give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and all of the awesome first responders. So we've clapped a lot today. Can this be your loudest applause of appreciation right here? Come on, honoring the military men and women, honoring the first responders. God bless you. We love you. And we thank God for you. And, uh, you know, well, what a year it's been. Uh, I said this earlier today. I want to talk to the pastors and the prophets who said 2020 was going to be the best year ever. Come on, what a year 2020 has been. But let me tell you this. God can do more in the last four months of 2020 than what the enemy tried to do for evil in the first seven months or eight months of the year. So God is for us. He's not against us. And I'm thankful that we serve a sovereign God. And we give you what we're calling phase three of an update for re-entry here at Go Church. We've been back meeting in person since the beginning of June. As a matter of fact, phase one was June, phase two was July. I'm trying to keep you updated on a very fluid situation. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about phase number three of re-entry for Go Church. That's the month of August. And before I do that, I do want to say that if, if any of you or your family, your friends, your relatives, neighbors, people that you love are battling against COVID-19 because of the sickness or even because of the economic challenges and instability, I want to tell you that we're praying for you. And if you know anybody that is sick with the virus, we plead the blood of Jesus over them. If you want to know what kind of church this is, this is a church that believes in the power of prayer. And we believe that God still performs miracles. If you're with me, give me a good amen right there. And then also many people are struggling financially in this season of uncertainty. I just want to give you this encouragement today. We've never seen the righteous forsaken nor see begging bread. God is going to meet all of your needs in this season. And I believe that to be true. So we just pray over you and your family. And uh, we, just, we just love you so much. So let's talk about our online campus as a part of phase three. Every Sunday morning, 9.45 and 11.30, you can tune in live online if you ever feel like you don't want to be in person or maybe your summer travel plans take you out of town. You can always catch us online live. And then every gathering from start to finish is available on demand. You can watch that on YouTube or uh, you know, even our mygochurch.com website, Facebook, all of those ways you can watch on demand. I do want to give a huge shout out to the incredible team that makes our online campus happen, including our online campus pastor, Tyler. Come on, can you just tell them thank you? They've helped us to keep the ministry of Go Church moving forward in this season, so I love our online campus. You all, or what we say in the South, y'all 
are at the South Metro Atlanta campus is our broadcast campus. So we broadcast all of our gatherings from this very room. So for the month of August, we're still in person every Sunday, 945 and 1130. We're still watching what the CDC is saying and local officials and all of those things that help us to make wise decisions. So we have opted to keep our go kids in the room with their parents or guardians through the month of August. Uh, I want to pause here and just say to all the kids, let me, let me get the attention of all the kids in the room. I am so proud of you. I'm proud of your behavior. I'm proud of the way you come in here and for over an hour, you listen to music, you listen to somebody preach, and you're on your best behavior. And I think it's appropriate if we give all the kids just a big round of applause. Way to go. You've been so good. As a matter of fact, you deserve some ice cream today. Come on now, kids. Are you with me? One of the dads was like, what about me? I was like, you can ask your wife if you get the ice cream, but way to go, kids. And I, I don't want to tell you something that we have to pull back on in the future, but I think it's fair to tell you what I'm praying for. And I'm praying that the weekend after Labor Day weekend, that we're able to open up our Go Kids environments once again. And so that's just something to put on your prayer list with us. But until then, uh, your children are welcome to worship with us as a, as a family. I think that's great. And then uh, one more group of people that I want to talk to, that's our Germantown, uh, Maryland campus. You all are online only for the month of August. However, and I say this with great caution, but there is potential for a mid to late August return date. Uh, many of you know this, but our Germantown campus is portable. They meet in a movie theater. And so a lot of our rules and regulations are contingent upon what Regal Cinema says we can and cannot do. So I think this is just a great opportunity to put out there that our Germantown campus, they need a building of their own. Come on, they do. But until then, uh, we're going to keep you in the know. So make sure you're checking emails, social media, and listening to your campus pastor and all the publications. Uh, we're working with that theater, hoping for a mid to late August return. Just somebody by faith, give me a good amen right there. I just believe that. So a little bit of information on the month of August and what that looks like as we move forward. One more bit of, a, of announcement or news, and then I'm going to give the message to you. You heard this in the video announcements a moment ago. It's a big part of the culture of our church. This is a praying church, and we believe in the power of prayer. And if we've ever needed prayer before, if we've ever needed prayer in the past, it's right now. Like, if we've ever needed it, we need it today. And so I'm calling the church to 21 days of prayer beginning this upcoming Saturday, and that'll go through August the 21st. For those of you that are a part of our South Metro Atlanta campus, these prayer gatherings are going to be in person. Now, if you're unavailable to attend, um, you know, you can pray with us, of course, throughout your day. They're not going to be online, however, but we're inviting you to come Monday through Friday at this location. We're going to pray for an hour at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday. So if that works well for your schedule going to work or after you get off work, we're going to come back together at 6 p.m. and we'll pray for an hour. As you can tell, this is a huge auditorium. You've got plenty of space to make sure social distancing is is, uh, is there for you and your family, and then every Saturday together at 8.30. And then for Germantown, you'll meet in person. This is great news because you'll meet over at our office space in Clarksburg. That is Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. We do rent out that location to some other opportunities, and so the p.m. gathering wouldn't work for your location, but every morning at 6 a.m. and then every Saturday at 8.30. How many of you know that prayer really does work? And so I want you to join with me during the 21 days. Even if you can't be in person with us, I'd like you to be committed, set a reminder on your smartphone, put it on your day planner, talk to your family, have an honest conversation about carving out time each day in the 21 days to go before the Lord, not just for the needs of our church and the needs of our country, but your needs, your family's needs, your personal needs, your financial needs, your health needs. God is a God who hears us when we pray. So 
I'm excited to journey on this 21 days of prayer together. Every time we do this, God shows up in miraculous ways, and I believe that this time will be no different. So I hope you look forward to that. And then today, we get to conclude week number four of a series that we've been doing called Summer in the Psalms. Have you enjoyed this so far? Come on, it's been a great series. I'll tell you a little bit more about the, uh, the, the particular chapter of the book of Psalms that I get to close out today with. But before we do that, let me tell you two things about this message, all right? And both of these are important because I believe they set the tone. Number one, it's going to be full of good news. This is an encouraging word today. We got enough bad news out there. We got enough fake news out there. The gospel is the good news. And so today's going to be good news. Is that all right? I'm going to give you some good news. And the second part is we're going to start by having a little bit of fun. So I'm going to play a game with everybody. All right, I'm going to play a game with everybody. If you do not participate, God Almighty is watching you right now. So that's just between you and him, okay? But I want everybody to participate, even everybody online. So here's how it'll work. Everybody in person, you need something to write with. So if you've got a notepad or maybe you've got an extra sheet of paper or maybe you've got a smartphone, you can take out the note application. Don't get caught up on Facebook just yet. Uh, maybe you've got a tithe envelope that you plan on filling out and putting some money in it later, but you want to go ahead and play the game on the back of it now. Somebody caught that, right? Just kind of putting a plug out there. Then everybody watching online, you're going to use the, uh, the live chat feature to put in your responses. And this game is going to happen really, really quickly, so you got to be prepared. So everybody get something to write with online. Get ready to write in the chat. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. The production team, they're going to give you some music. You've got 30 seconds, and in that 30 seconds, you have to write down the top three most sung songs of all time in America. All right, I'm going to say it one more time, and the music's going to start. The clock's going to begin. Can you name the top three most sung songs of all time in America? Don't use Google. Jesus is watching. Ready? Let the music begin. Here we go. You got 30 seconds on the clock. It's going to happen real quick. Uh, you can talk to the people in your row. If you're the smartest person in your row, go ahead and raise your hand. Let them know they want to ask you a question. I see your hand. That's right. That's right. Come on, talk to each other. Write them down. What do you think are the top three most sung songs of all time in America? Here we go. You got 10 seconds. I told you. It's moving quick. Top three most sung songs of all time in America. Five, four, Three, two, one. All right, cut the music. I forgot to tell you that this was for $5 million. I hope you completed this part. Okay, you ready? How many of you think you got all three? You got all three? Show me your hands if you feel pretty confident. If you have no idea, go ahead and raise your hand. All right, here we go. You ready? I'm going to show you all three on the screen. And let's see who got all three of them. Number one, happy birthday. How many of you got a happy birthday? If you missed happy birthday, you did not get the other two. I'm just going to tell you right now. Did anybody get It's a Small World? Did you? One person got It's a Small World. This is, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a terrifying song to me. Like, I have to go to counseling every time I hear It's a Small World. It's a creepy little song to me for whatever reason. And then how about, come on, Chubby Checker. Where are my Chubby Checker fans at in the house? Come on, baby. Let's do the... Y'all, some of y'all acted like you didn't want to say it in church. You know you used to do the twist back in the day. Happy birthday, it's a small world, and the twist. Show me your hands, no fibbing in church. How many of you got all three of them accurate? You got them right. Anybody? Nobody. Did anybody get two of the three? Okay, that's okay. We, we all, 
We serve a God of second chances, all right? Let's run that music back. No, I'm just kidding. Did anybody get one of the three? Here we go, one. Then everybody wins. Come on, give yourselves a big round of applause. Online, you did a great job. Congratulations there. Here's why that's important, because we're doing this series called Summer in the Psalms, and what we find right in the middle of your Bible is 150 songs collected together called the Book of Psalms. Of the 150 songs that are written, King David... And most people know King David, even those who are new to the faith. King David is a guy that fought and defeated Goliath. King David wrote, watch this, 72 of the 150 songs that make up the book of Psalms. So this is week number four. Obviously, this wasn't a 150-week series, although it could have been, and God would have spoken to us. But we kicked off week number one with my pastor, the bishop of the house. Come on, Pastor Alamatura with Psalm 23. Wasn't that fantastic? A great word. Last uh, two Sundays ago, Pastor David from Germantown jumped into Psalm chapter number one. Come on, he's in the room, so show some love. Let him know you love him. Then last Sunday, your campus pastor here at this location, Pastor Ben, shared with Psalm 27. Did you enjoy that message, Psalm 27? And then today, I get to do Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And each one of these pastors and speakers, uh, through prayer, got to pick and suggest which psalm that they wanted to take. And I'm glad that this one was still available for me because I believe, and this is just my opinion, that Psalm 139 is the most beautiful, the most intimate, the most affectionate psalm out of the 150 psalms. And like the other guys that have spoken, it's hard to pick just a verse or two to share from. So I'm going to do something today. I'm going to read to you all of the verses in this chapter out of Psalm 139 There's 364 of them. I'm just kidding. There's like 24. You'll be okay. I want to read all of them to you. And David starts by by saying this. He says, you've searched me, O Lord. You know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my, my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with, somebody say, all my ways. Before, verse number four, if, you, if you've got your Bible open, you should highlight this. He says, before a word is even on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Verse number six, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, to, too lofty for me to attain. He says in verse seven, where can I go from your, your spirit? Where can I flee from your your presence. He says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there as well. He says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. Verse number 11. He says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night all around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. Can I just tell you, that's a word for today, 2020, that with all the darkness of our world, that even this darkness is not dark to the light. Come on, give me an amen right there. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's Womb. He says in verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Another translation says, because I am complex in the way that you made me. 
Your works are wonderful. I, I know them full well. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body and all of the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. He says this, how, how precious to me are your thoughts, God, how vast is the, the sum of them or the calculation of them. He says, were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I'm, I'm still with you. If only you, God, would slay the, the wicked. And you'll see in these next couple of verses, David's raw emotion of his frustration towards those who blaspheme God. He says, away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Verse 21, do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them, and I count them my enemies. In two more verses, verse 23 and verse 24, and I think it's appropriate that everybody in this room and online, let's read this together on the count of three. Can we do that? One, two, three. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, this is a clapping church around here and we do that a lot. But I think this is a great place to pause and just thank God for the power of his word. Come on, can we do that today? Thank you, Jesus. As of 7.20 a.m. this morning... The World Wide Web showed us that there were 7,800,637,102 people on this big old planet. It's a lot of people. One, one statistic that really caught my attention, though, is that a third of almost 7.9 billion people are housed in just two countries, China and India. That means the remaining amount of humanity that walks on this earth live in the additional 195 countries around the world. Imagine with me for a moment, 7.9 billion people. That, 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 that kind of shows us the reason why it shouldn't be surprising that this world would have a lot of problems. Why this world would have a lot of challenges. Whenever you get that, that many people in, into, a, into a, a, a place with different diversity and, and culture and style and all of the different making up of an individual, it's no wonder why there's conflict and there's, there's tension. Listen to me. Let's make it more personal. It's no wonder why it's so hard for some of you to find a job. It's, it's no wonder why you got to wait like 45 minutes to check out at Walmart. Hello? It's no wonder why in some of our major cities, traffic is an absolute nightmare. With almost 7.9 billion people on the face of the planet, that creates a huge problem. But listen to me, that is no problem for God. That is no problem for God. As a matter of fact, what you read in Psalm 139, and we read it together, is David is, through his own revelation of his personal experience with Christ and with the Father, he's letting us know that although there are all these people on the planet, two primary truths surface from Psalm 139. 
And I want you to write both of these down and listen to me for a second. Regardless of what this world throws at you, regardless of the challenges of life, regardless of the difficulties of life, the pain of life, and the darkest, deepest, loneliest moments that you may experience, you've got to remind yourself of these two truths. The first one is this. Every person on this planet has God's undivided attention. Let me say it to you like this. Out of 7.9 billion people, God's attention is never fractioned into sections and given to you partially. God, who's sitting above the elliptic of the earth today, doesn't just choose to give you attention when he thinks that you need the attention. God's attention on you and for you is available 24-7, 365. And here's the thing about the sovereignty of God. God does not just see you, but God knows you. Imagine that. In this big old world with all of these people, the God of this universe sees you and knows you and his attention is upon you. Your Bible says in, in, in one particular verse that God knows you so well that he is the one that has even numbered every single hair that is on your head. Let me tell you about, let me tell you about God for a minute and his knowledge of his children. He he knows how fast your heart is beating in this moment. He can tell you the exact level of oxygen in your blood. He could tell you the exact count of your hemoglobin. God, God can tell you every fear you have, every frustration you have, every stress you have. God can tell you every hurt you have, every habit you have. God can tell you every sin you have. God can tell you about every secret that you have. God knows you and never one time is his attention taken off of you. God sees you and he knows you. He knows you intimately, and he knows you very well. As a matter of fact, the first verse that we read in Psalm 139, David admits to this reality that the, that the attention, the eyes of God, and the heart of God is always on his children. He says this in the very first verse. He says, he says what? You know everything about me. You know everything about me. All, all of it. You know. Now, I don't know what this verse does for you, but when I read it, I am overwhelmed with thanksgiving that God knows everything about me, and that I am immediately terrified that God knows everything about me. Yes, he knows it all. Everything. Out of 7.9 billion people, God knows every intricate detail of my mind and my heart and my life and my family and my needs and my struggles and my pains and my problems and my propensities towards doing wrong, God knows them all. And yet his attention is always so focused on JC, little old JC in this big old world. I'm going to tell you about a movie here in a second. And as soon as I tell you the movie, uh, some of you are going to laugh because you love the movie. Others of you are immediately going to say, you know, blasphemy. Never should have done a movie like that. And, you know, no judgment with whatever category you fall into. But in 2003-ish, a movie came out called Bruce Almighty. How many of you watched the movie? It's okay. Be honest in church. God knows if you watched it. Bruce Almighty, I, lo I love this movie. If you're wondering how I felt about it, of course, there were parts that I considered to be taken out of context of the character of God. But it's a great comedy, and I loved it. It's about a guy named Bruce Nolan. Bruce Nolan is a you know, down-on-his-luck TV reporter 
Uh, he's complaining constantly about closed doors and opportunities, and he's frustrated. He's, he's frustrated with life. He's, he's angry, and ultimately, he gets angry with God. So he has a conversation with God where he brings to God his list of complaints. And God, in response, says to him, all right, you know what? If you think you can do a better job, then you get to be God for one week. Now, in my opinion, the best part of the movie is that God is played by Morgan Freeman. Hello. If I ever get to heaven and I stand at the pearly gates and God begins to speak to me and he sounds like Morgan Freeman, we're going to have church. I'm just telling you right now, like there's something about Morgan Freeman's voice. So Bruce Nolan, for one week, he becomes God. And in the beginning, he recognizes this power, this supernatural power that he possesses. But there's one scene where in the middle of the night, Bruce Almighty wakes up because of the overwhelming sound of the voices in his mind. He's consumed by the millions and millions and millions and billions of voices that are in his head and in his thoughts and in his ears. What, what are the voices? They are the voices of prayer from this earth to the throne room of God, if you will. And Bruce is overwhelmed because he can't figure out how to handle each one of these unique individual prayer requests. And so he wakes up in the middle of the night, he walks into his apartment living room, and he decides to try to categorize all of the prayers. If you've seen the movie, you'll know this scene. He creates a filing system. And so in a moment, all of these filing cabinets pop up and all of these prayers go into the proper filing cabinets. And Bruce Almighty recognizes in a moment, well, this system is no good. I'll never be able to find somebody's file. So then he moves to a sticky note post-it method. And the whole apartment is covered in millions of sticky notes, even the dog. Come on, have you seen the movie? You know what I'm talking about. And he recognizes this too is a huge problem. So in a moment, he creates an email database system. And all of these prayers uttered to the heavens from around the world are now filtered into this one massive email database. And Bruce Almighty sits down at his computer and uh, Juan Valdez shows up with Colombian coffee because I guess when you're God, you get Colombian coffee right on the spot. He drinks a cup of coffee and he gets hard at work. And if you remember the movie, his fingers are going 90 to nothing and it's like a 20-second clip. And then he says something like, well, that should have made a dent only to discover that the prayer request had quadrupled in size. And he's angry. He's frustrated. And he does something that I think many of us think that God does in return. Bruce types out the word yes, and then he submits reply all. Let me tell you, every prayer that you have ever prayed to God the Father, he has heard the uniqueness of your voice and the uniqueness of your prayer request, and the uniqueness of your concern. God does not need a filing system. God does not need an email database system. God has heard every single prayer. And the beautiful thing about the Almighty God is he never takes a sick day. Are y'all gonna help me preach today? He never takes a vacation day. He's never out of the office. He's never unavailable. God hears you when you call out to him because his undivided attention is on you and for you. And let me tell you one more part of the character of God because this is incredibly important as you continue on this spiritual journey that you and I are on. The desire of God is not that you just know Him. No, His number one desire is not that you just know or Him to know you, but His number one desire is that you know Him in that same intimate way. Yes, He knows you. Now you 
I need to know him. This is his heart. I think about here where God sent his son Jesus to be crucified on the cross so that you could have a personal savior. A personal savior that you could be on a first name basis with. The Bible says that he's just as close as the very mention of his name. So how, how then would God, who knows you, he sees you, he knows everything about you, how then would he desire for you to know him? Here it is. It's one word, and when you see the word, the emotions in this room will vary. Because as soon as you see this word, there's, there's past, there's history, there's pain, there's joy. There's moment, there's struggle, there's tension, there's celebration. He wants you to know him as this, father, as father. Uh, let, me, let me tell you, many of us, we have this skewed perspective of God because of how our reality of our relationship with our earthly father has been. Many, many people don't have a great relationship with their, with their earthly father, and so they think that this mean guy who I call dad here on earth is the same mean guy that calls himself father in heaven. And, and many dads, they wrestle with this kind of characteristic. They are distant and demanding. If there's any goal that I have as a dad, it's that I, I don't fall into being a distant father. And I don't, I don't walk around demanding my way, demanding respect, demanding authority. Listen, listen to me. Everybody lean in for a second. God the Father who loves you and he knows you, whose attention is on you, he is not a distant and demanding God. Don't let the enemy make you think that he is that way. You want to know how God really is? God is not distant and demanding. God is warm and welcoming. God's arms are always open. God wants to invite you in to this relationship with him. Don't allow your perspective of your earthly dad to misrepresent the reality of your heavenly dad. Uh, many, many of you know this. Uh, my dad died when I was 13. So I'll be 40 in about five weeks. And if you want to know the honest truth, and this is, this is sad for me at least, and many of you who have lost people that you've loved years ago, you probably understand this. A lot of the memories that I have of my father when I was a child and even early adolescence, starting to slip a little bit. Some of those, uh, you know, good memories, you gotta fight to hold on to those memories. Um, excuse me. So, <laughs> there is one thing I do remember about my dad though. He was a man of discipline, a man of, of order, a man that expected a lot, but he was really warm and he was really welcoming. Uh, this is going to be really cheesy, but I got the mic. You're in the room. Deal with it. There's this old country song. I don't even know why I think about it, but every time I hear it or on a random day, I'll just think about these lyrics. And it is, I, I get it, but just bear with me. It's called Daddy's Hands. The lyrics to that song says, Daddy's Hands, Soft and Kind. When I've done right, daddy's hands hard as steel when I've done wrong. I don't know why every time I think of that song, I, I think about my dad's hands. My dad's hands, they were, they were big hands. As a matter of fact, um, when he died, he didn't, he didn't leave us much. But I got his wedding ring. 
So I wear it every Father's Day. I put it on my finger, and even now it's too big. It slides around, and if not careful, it'll slip off. There was something about my dad's hands. And although there are a lot of stories that I wish I could recall about the goodness of my dad, I do know this. My dad believed in me, and he let me know that he believed in me. My dad had this really good way of making me feel like I could be anything and do anything. And even when discipline was required, and listen, there was one time discipline was required. He was always so warm and welcoming. Let me tell you, I don't know what your relationship with your father, your earthly father looks like. And maybe it's great and maybe that's helped shape your relationship with your heavenly father. But, but if you didn't have a, a good dad, I'm telling you, you got a good father in heaven whose attention is always on you and he cares about you with the type of care that I do not have the words to fully explain. God loves you big. Can you give Jesus a big amen right there? Come on. All right. We're running out of time. Let me give you one more thought here. Not only does every person on this planet have God's undivided attention, but every person on this planet, listen to me, you get God's undivided affection. This word affection, there's dozens of synonyms for it. It's God's undivided love. His, his love is not a pie chart divided by 7.9 billion people. God, God loves you with his full person, his full character. Uh, affection, love, care, mercy, intimacy, all, all of those things, every person, every one of you under the sound of my voice in this room, everybody watching online, every person, you get God's undivided attention and God's undivided affection. It's what, it's what David said in the fifth verse. He said this, and I love this. He said, you laid your hand upon me. Fathom that for a moment, that the God of this world would lay his hand upon you. Do you know what? I, I know that many of you who are married, you understand this, but there are times that we'll be driving in the car, Kimberly and I, and Kimberly will reach over and she'll put her hand on my leg or she'll take her, her fingers and interlock them with my fingers and just squeeze tight. And I'm like, you know, girl, I know. And when she, hold, when she lays her hand upon me, I know that she's not thinking about any other joker out there. That her attention isn't for anybody else. Her affection is not for anybody else. She has laid her hand upon me as a signal of, hey, you are mine and I am yours. We're in this relationship together. And this is what God does. And many of you who still fight against just giving God your entire heart, you know that there have been moments where you've walked through the deepest, darkest, most depressing valley. And all of a sudden, you felt God's hand on you. It's why you're here today, because you know that there is someone and something bigger than every problem you could ever face. And I'm telling you, with every bit of passion in my being, that God's attention is for you and God's affection is all about you. He cares about you. When Jesus was on the cross, you, you were on his mind. When God went silent and the world went dark, it was in that moment that Jesus, that had all power to come down off of that old rugged cross, he stayed on that cross because of you. 
because of you. I didn't say this in the first gathering, but I feel it. Somebody in this room or you're watching online, you're thinking about taking your own life because you feel like nobody loves you. First of all, we all love you. But if we fail at giving you the affection you deserve, listen to me. There is a God in heaven who knows you by your name. And he's created you with gifts, talents, abilities, and a purpose. God loves you big. Come on, everybody give Jesus praise. Come on. Woo. hate the devil. I hate how he plays with our minds and makes us think that God does not love us. God does love you in spite of you. Let me say it to you like this. God sees you and he knows you and check this out. And yet he still loves you. What? That God would know about all your stuff, all your baggage, all your history. All those secrets, and watch this, and yet he still loves you. There's a great debate going on in America. It's the, 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 the debate of wearing masks. Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Be safe, be smart, wear a mask. Mandate everybody should wear a mask, and this is a great debate. Well, let me tell you where I stand on this, and then I'll get to the point. You do you, boo, all right? You just do you. Whatever you feel is best for you. You do that, okay? I think you ought to operate in wisdom, but you do you. Is that fair? I'll do me, you do you. That's liberating, isn't it? I got enough stuff in my life to worry about me. I don't need to worry about all y'all. But it's interesting that Christians get caught up in this argument. Because long before physical mask was ever a conversation, y'all been wearing spiritual masks for a while. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, we come into church and... We put on this mask, like we got it all together. We got it all figured out. You walk into church, people say, how you doing? I'm doing great. Lie. That's not true. Let me tell you, the church, at least Go Church, this is not some country club where we get together and we brag on how good we're doing and how successful we are and all, all the achievements and accomplishments that we've made. This place is a hospital for the hurting. It's a place for broken people. And I think it's time that you take off the spiritual mask. You keep your physical mask on if that's what you won't do. But you take off that spiritual mask and you recognize that God sees behind the mask. Look at me. You can fool me. I'm not that smart. You can put on a front. You can wear a facade. You can put on your mask and make me think that you are something that you are not. But you cannot fool God. God sees behind the mask. But here's the good news. He loves you still. Still. That blows my mind. I don't know what your perception of God is, but watch. God is not about rejection. He's about affection. I get, I get caught up in these conversations often. How, Pastor JC, how could a loving God send people to hell? Who has he ever sent to hell? God made a way of escape. The only people that ever end up in the eternal lake of fire are those who have rejected God. God has never rejected one person. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into this earth or into this world to reject it, not to condemn it, but so that we all might be saved. 
don't give me the argument, well, if God loved people, they wouldn't go to hell. God does love people, and that's why when you receive his affection, you miss out on that part altogether. He's about affection, not rejection. Is everybody good today? Come on, are you encouraged so far? All right, let's be done. Here's what they do. They come to the music. They start playing. It does one thing. It lets me know, shut it down, bud. Shut it down. So that's what I'll do. Let me end with a couple of thoughts here. What's the goal of every earthly relationship? (laughs) Here it is. It's intimacy and affection. It's why people pursue marriage and relationship and spouse and friendship because we want intimacy and we want affection. For those of you that are dating or you're about to get married, this is free premarital counseling right here. It's free, no charge. Here's the problem, though. The problem with full intimacy and affection is that you've got to truly show who you are to the other person. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is terrifying. Because there is this fear, I possess it and you possess it, that if people really know me for who I am, they will not want me. So here's what we do. Instead of opening up our heart and putting it all out there, we build up walls. We build up these walls in our life, and these walls are kept to hopefully keep people at arm's distance. Just enough to love me, but you can't have all of me. And that spills over into your relationship with Christ. It was no different for King David. It it was the very thing that he revealed, the Lord revealed to him in Psalm 139. You read it a moment ago. Let me give you a couple verses here. David has this revelation. And David is saying, here's like, I can run, but I can't hide. Right? I can try to get away from what God, God is chasing me down. I can try to hide into this secret place, but at the end of the day, he says, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Watch, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame, he's just laying it out. He's like, God, I want intimacy. I want affection, but I'm running from you. But yet you already know all these things. So I want to listen to me. I'm going to tear down the walls and God, I'm going to let you in. Your attention has always been on me. Now I'm accepting your affection for me. He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of this, this, the earth. One more verse. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. Spoiler alert. Are you ready? God knows you better than you know you. He knows you better than you know you. Stop building the walls. Stop wearing the spiritual masks. Let God's affection in, and he will do great things in your life. Does anybody agree with that today? Come on and give Jesus some praise. It's been fun. been a good message, I think. I'm going to tell you this quick story get you out of here. I don't know if anybody's ever heard the name Betty Henson. Anybody ever heard that name, Betty Henson? Uh, most people have never heard the name Betty Henson. Lived in the Midwest. Stay-at-home mom. 
husband worked for the uh, Department of Agriculture. It's kind of a, a normal family, I guess, if you will. And they did have this precocious little child named Jim. And, uh, you know, Betty, every couple times a year, she'd go into all the closets of the kids and into the, her closet, her husband's closet. They'd pull out all the clothes that they no longer wore, and they'd make a donation to, like, the Salvation Army. So this particular day, she gets all these clothes together, and little Jim wants to go with his mom to the Salvation Army. They get in the car. They're making their way on this road trip to the Salvation Army. Jim notices that his mom has put in the donation bag this uh, outdated, old-fashioned, long, kind of full-length overcoat. It's green. It's been used. Had it for years. Immediately, little Jim says to his mom, I want that coat, Mom. Can I have that coat? And his mom says, no, no, you can't have the coat. There's probably another family that could get better use for the coat. What are you going to do with it? He's like, I, I got an idea. I just want the coat. She says, no, but Jim is persistent. She's reluctant. They pull into the parking lot. And finally, she says, whatever. You keep this old, ugly green coat. You do whatever you want with it. They donate the rest. They get back home. Jim immediately runs up to his bedroom. He's secluded in his bedroom for hours and hours and hours. Later that evening, he runs back downstairs and he presents to his mom and dad this wonderful puppet that all of us lovingly now know as Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Jim Henson went on to create dozens of Sesame Street characters and other characters in movies. And all of these ideas came from old, ragged, no good, used about to be donated pile of clothes. What was worthless to some became worthy to others. Why do I tell you that story? I think you know. If God can do this with the imagination of a little boy to create puppets that would bring joy into the hearts and homes of children, around the globe. If God could use the imagination of a child to do this, imagine what God could do with you if you understand that his undivided attention and his undivided affection is always for you. Let me give you the beauty of Psalm 139. It's this. When you put your life in God's hands, God will put his peace in your heart. Amen. Let me tell you, when you give your life to God, he already knows you, and now you say, God, I want to know you. When you do that, God puts his peace in your heart. This is what David is writing in this psalm. It's what he's singing. He says, I've got joy that's unexplainable. I've got contentment like I've never known. I've got happiness like I've never felt. All of the things that he now experienced, money could never buy. Because the moment he put his life into God's hands, was the moment God put his peace in his heart. I always close with a question, and the question is based off of this thought right here. So have you done that? Have you put your life into God's hands fully? Not partially, not, not halfway, but really, God, I'm going all in with you. Or are you still running? Are you still hiding? Here's one. Are you still trying to be Bruce Almighty? Are you trying to be the God of your world? Listen to me from my own experience. It ain't never going to work. You will always be miserable until you say, 
My life is in your hands. Let me pray for you. Jesus, touch us today. Over time, but felt the passion in the message. And I pray for the couple hundred people in this room and the many more online that whatever was said today, whatever was spoken through the reading of God's word and scripture, the songs that we sang, the, the stories that were told, the points that were brought to life, that you would just remind us constantly as we battle against the lies of the enemy that your attention is always on us and your affection is always available for us. Seal this word in the hearts of your people today. And everybody said, amen. So on Tuesday, I was writing this message and this song came to my heart. So I pinged the team and said, hey, this is an older song, but do you think there's any way you could sing this song? Some of you may have never heard this little chorus before, but our campus pastor from this location is coming in one second. He's going to pray for you, get you out of here. But I want this song to be an encouragement to you. So can you stand up for me real quick? Let's worship for 30 seconds. Micah, you sing this song as a testimony of your understanding of the goodness of God. Let's worship Christ together. Come on.